today. I think they got all the buttons on. Appreciate that very much. And uh, appreciate all those kind words. I just wish my wife could have been here to hear all that nice thing said about me. But thank you very much. And you know, it's so true. You just don't ever know really who's going to get a message. I remember preaching that message. And really, it was really something that God did in my heart. And uh, so it's just really neat to hear how somebody got a hold of something and, uh, and God used it in their lives. That's a blessing. Amen. That's the power of the Word of God, isn't it? Amen. Well, God bless you, men. I'm glad to see all of the men here and the fathers here. God bless you. I am going to preach a Father's Day message today. I like preaching on special days. And I've got something that I've been studying that I want to give you. If you have your Bibles, look with me to the book of Luke in the second chapter. I think about what Paul Harvey said about fatherhood. He said, a father, a father is a thing that has to endure childbirth without any anesthetics, amen. So uh, God bless you men for being here. And uh, I'm a father of four and a grandfather of seven. And uh, my oldest son is a father of three boys. My youngest son, Joel, just he and his wife just told us uh, about a month ago that uh, she's expecting. So, uh, amen, we got, uh, I said, well, I talked to my son this morning. I said, well, Joel, happy Father's Day. You just don't know what yours looks like yet, amen. He's still baking in the oven. And uh, don't know if it's a girl or a boy yet. We looked at the ultrasound. All of our lives, we can always remember Joel this is the way he slept. He just would sleep like that. And uh, lo and behold, the ultrasound, that's exactly the way the baby is. It's pretty relaxed. So he said, it's got to be a boy, amen. So we don't know. We'll see, amen. But uh, God bless you, really. Being a father is probably one of the most incredible joys of my life. And I uh, have just, uh, just so fulfilled. I remember when the Lord gave us our first son and uh, didn't have anything to compare him with and uh, just, you know, he was pretty I tell you what, man, I wore out a lot of belt on that boy. <laughs> you know, and uh, but we were just parents. We were brand new parents. We didn't know. We thought uh, every kid was like this. We didn't know that all of them weren't demon possessed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And uh, the people see my son now, and they say, man, he's just, he's so calm. I said, I beat it out of him. That's why he's calm. <laughs> and uh, just uh, thank the Lord for him, and uh, just have really enjoyed it. I was blessed to have a father. But if you're able to stand with me, let's all stand together for the reading of this passage here, Luke chapter 2. I want to begin reading verse number 1 through 7. They're going to skip down and pick it up once again with verse number 25 would like to take the time to read it all today, and I hope you'll go home and read the whole chapter. It's a beautiful chapter, a lot of it about fatherhood. But Luke chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. 
And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Not going to read it, but verse number 8 talks about the angels announcing really the birth of Christ, the birth of the Messiah to the shepherds. And then in verse 15, the shepherds visit the manger scene there in Bethlehem. And then verse number 21, the Lord is crucified on the eighth day. And then we're going to pick it up with Simeon's prophecy, verse number 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by, by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he uh, him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen the sal thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed him and said unto, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own, thy soul, own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then, of course, we have Anna's testimony, and then Jesus returns back to Nazareth. And, um, and then we know that it, verse number 41, really, Jesus is, it's his birth at the beginning of the chapter. And here in verse number 41, he's already 12 years old. And then there's that amazing story about Joseph and Mary leaving Jesus behind at church, amen, so to speak. I'm not going to ask how many of you have ever left a child behind because it uh, looks like most of you have, amen? I remember when that happened, my mom left my little sister at the church and we were headed uh, from Mesquite back to Kaufman and we were crossing over the Trinity River Bridge there on Highway 80 and about on the middle of that bridge, my mother shouted out, Lisa! And Lisa wasn't in the car my dad was driving a big old Ford Esquire station wagon, big old 460, pass everything on the road but a gas station, you know. And my mom wanted him to make a bat turn, just like turn this thing around. Well, he got to the other end and turned around and went back to the church. And when we got to the church, we pulled in the driveway. My little sister, I don't remember her uh, wanting to jump off a building or, you know, or, you know, sad or depressed or anything like that. As a matter of fact, she was, I remember, she was just whirling around in the parking lot watching her little less dress go out. My pastor was there, and then a lady from our church, Miss Nell Grinnell, was there. And my dad pulled up and stopped. And uh, my little sister jumped in. I noticed that my dad didn't say anything. I noticed that the pastor didn't say anything. I noticed that Miss Grinnell didn't say anything. 
And for some reason, us kids, we knew it just wasn't a time to talk. Amen. And then we lived happily ever after. Amen. Well, isn't it nice to know that it happened to Joseph and Mary? Amen. And, uh, but from this passage, I want to give to you a message, a Father's Day message on what I call the, the marvel of fatherhood. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we're so thankful to be here this morning, and uh, we're just so thankful. We're full in our hearts for all the fellowship and for all the singing, Lord. Our hearts have been refreshed with being able to lift up our voices and sing and hear the beautiful choir number and the special number. Just what a, what a thought-provoking song. Just uh, thank you for it, Lord. Now, we just thank you for these, the fathers that are here today, and Lord, many of them, not fathers yet, but they're going to be someday. And we pray now as we know that we're living in a world today that really is, uh, they, they hate fatherhood, biblical fatherhood. But Lord, we uh, promote it. We believe in it because it's in the Bible. So thank you, dear God, that we have uh, such an incredible testimony to look at about fatherhood in Joseph. So as we talk about these things, preach from them today, would you just bless us and help us, Lord? Strengthen the fathers. And Lord, if the fathers would be strengthened and their faith would be strengthened and they would be encouraged, then the wives would be encouraged and the families would be encouraged and the church would be strengthened and the community would be strengthened and our, our state and our whole nation would be strengthened. So bless, we pray. Your will be done as our prayer. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. In Luke, the second chapter, verse 33, I read it to you just a moment ago. The Bible says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, talking about what Simeon said about the Lord Jesus. And that word marvel, it means to kind of just step back and just think and gaze and kind of take it all in, knowing that uh, probably what is taking place at the moment uh, really is bigger than what we can gather at the particular time there. And Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were spoken of him. You know, Mary was soon to give birth to the Son of God, but as all mothers need a husband and all children need a father, Mary and Jesus are no different. And isn't it amazing that we don't uh, read in the Bible the verses that speak particularly about Joseph like it does about Mary being blessed, but we would have to say that Joseph was a very, very, very blessed man to be chosen to be the role. Every, every mother needs a husband and every child needs a father. And while God's plan was, was taking place on this world, Joseph was the man that would step into that place and really to be the husband of Mary because every mother needs a husband and every child needs a father. And uh, the Lord Jesus needed a father on this earth and Joseph was chosen to be that man. Now let's make this very clear. Joseph was not the Lord's real father. You understand that, amen? Everybody understand what I'm saying? The Holy Scriptures teach us that God was his father. 
But Joseph in all respects, according to the scriptures, was called to be the legal, listen now, the legal earthly father. And remember the secret of his birth. Remember, it wasn't known until his, until his birth, the secret of how all of that came to place. It, it was not really, it was not commonly known. So he was called by his mother, his father. You gotta just put it on in perspective. You gotta kind of read behind the words and gather this information up. Now just think about the seriousness of this role that Joseph took on. And I don't think that God is going to choose a lazy, shiftless drifter to take care of Mary and baby Jesus. Amen. He was going to choose a man that had character and integrity. As a matter of fact, Joseph's credibility is really on the line because his wife, his spouse wife, is going to have a baby that is not his baby. Now Mary recognized Joseph as the role of the Lord's earthly father in Luke chapter 2 verse 48 it says, and when they saw him, they were amazed. Remember this is when they came back to Jerusalem and found Jesus in the temple talking to the doctors and lawyers and the Bible says, and when they saw him, they were amazed and his mother said unto, unto him, son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now it wasn't a lapse of memory. Mary fully knew that, that God was his son's father, but Joseph had stepped into that role, and she says, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. I don't think that anyone could accuse Mary of stripping Jesus of his deity but I believe that she was simply referring to Joseph as the one chosen of God providentially to, to serve God in this needed role of an earthly father figure for the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying to you this morning? I came across this piece that I wanted to give you this morning from a lady by the name of Mae Patterson. She wrote a, a piece entitled, So God Made a Father. And she says this, God said I need someone to provide for the family. Someone who will get up early and stay up late and never complain. I need someone who's willing to make unpopular decisions and, spy and stand by them. Someone to provide authority and discipline as well as love. I need someone with broad shoulders, broad enough to carry a little child around town and broad enough to pull more than his fair share, yes, I need someone who will work the second shift or take second best or play second fiddle so that his family can have it better than he did. I need someone who is willing, willing to man up and provide the love, support, and strength of his family and, and a family will desperately need so God made a father. So just as Mary was shown favor, I think the same can be said about Joseph. He was shown favor. And in no way would I ever intentionally elevate Joseph above where he belongs, but common sense tells us if he was not needed, then he would not have been used in, in, in this distinct role 
that we see him here in this second chapter of the book of Luke. In no way would I ever, ever do that, but, I, I, but the rest of the chapter, when we look at that chapter, it covers Jesus' life to the age of 12. And then we see when really, literally, Mary said, Thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now what role did Joseph play? Ask yourself the question. What did he play? How much was he involved in the life of the Lord Jesus? Well, I want you to consider the strength of these verses. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, listen to the language, listen to the words. Matthew 13, 55, Is not this the carpenter's son? Now who is that referring to? The Lord Jesus Christ. So they were, they were just insinuating that Joseph was his father because Joseph was a carpenter. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? So did Joseph have some kind of an impact upon the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? Stepping into that role he must have. Now think about this verse here, Mark chapter 6 verse 3. It says this, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? In Matthew chapter 13 it says, Is not this the carpenter's son? In, in Mark chapter 6 it says, Is not this the carpenter? In that passage, they're literally giving the title carpenter to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I guarantee you, God used uh, Joseph in a magnificent way in the development of his son, his darling son, the Lord Jesus. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simeon? Are not his sisters here with us? Now think about this. You see, Joseph just, just did what he was expected to do. And the following is a is an ancient Jewish maxim. He who teaches not his son to do some work is as if he taught him robbery. So if you're not going to teach your sons how to work, then you're teaching them to be thieves and robbers is what it's saying. So Jesus, so the Lord uh, Joseph had enough impact upon the life of the Lord Jesus Christ where in Mark chapter 6 he is literally called is not this the carpenter? Among the ancient Jews, every father was bound to do four things for his son. Number one, to have him circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. And then the father was instructed to teach his sons the law. Isn't that a novel idea? Amen. It was the father's responsibility to make sure that he was passing down the laws to his sons, uh, and then number three, to redeem him, and number four, to teach him a trade. So it is therefore very likely that Joseph brought up our Lord Jesus to his own trade. Uh, is not this the carpenter? You see, what I'd like us to see in this fascinating story this morning is first that Joseph performed uh, with love all of the duties of a father to a child's mother and the earthly duties of a father to a son. And I want to give you the ways on, on how it happened uh, in this message, the marvel of fatherhood. 
First thing I want you to notice is Joseph loved Mary and Joseph accepted the role to be the husband of Jesus' mother. Now I want you to think about what the statement I just made. Joseph, he loved Mary, all right? And Joseph accepted the role to be the husband of Jesus' mother. Why? Well, I think there are some reasons why. First of all, we find in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, the Bible says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. So I think the reason why he loved Mary, amen, and uh, he and he was able to take on the role to be the husband of the Lord's mother is because he was a just man. You know, I can remember meeting some just men in these 40 plus years of full-time evangelism where they were just good, good, honest, honest men. And uh, you can tell them, you can spot them, amen. A just man, and, and Joseph was that kind of a man. The Bible tells us in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 6 that Noah was a just man. And the Bible says in Acts chapter number 10 that Cornelius was a just man. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, 16, uh, the Bible says, for a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. Joseph was that kind of a man. He loved Mary and Joseph accepted the role to be the husband of, uh, of, uh, of Jesus' mother. What an amazing uh, 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 opportunity, amazing role to fill. But not only was he a just man, but also he was a man that protected his wife Mary. Remember what the Bible says? He was not willing to make her a public example, but minded to put her away privately. So you see, he was willing. I mean, it could have tainted his reputation. And remember, he, he, he was bothered by these things. And finally, God came to him in a dream, and an angel explained to him, this is what it's taking place, amen, but he did not just want to throw Mary under the bus as an unfaithful woman. No, he said not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately, but that's what kind of a man that Joseph was. Joseph loved Mary, and Joseph accepted the role to be the husband of Jesus' mother. He was a just man. He provided protection for his wife. Amen. And it seems to me that Joseph was a man that just learned to think things through. I can remember my dad many times when I'd go to him for questions and decisions that I needed to make. And this was kind of the way my dad would say it to me. He said, son, I think you just need to sleep on that one. He said, a lot of times, son, you just go to, go to bed at night with a thought in your mind and you just think about it throughout the day and I promise you, go to bed with that in your mind and by the end of the night when you wake up, God will give you an answer. And it's the truth. And Joseph was that kind of a man. He thought things through. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. You see, Joseph loved Mary, and Joseph accepted the role to be the husband of Jesus' mother. Oh, listen, because Joseph was a spiritual man, he gave his ear and obedience to the angel of the Lord. Verse number 24, And Joseph being raised from sleep 
did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Oh, listen, I don't know about you, but I appreciate the information, the instruction that God is giving us here in the passage using this man, Joseph. I mean, listen, he loved Mary and he accepted the role to be the husband of Jesus' mother because he was a just man, because he protected, because he thought things through, because he was a spiritual man, because Joseph respected God's divine purpose for Mary's life and purpose. He respected it. In verse number 25, same chapter, Matthew chapter 1, and knew her not. No doubt he loved her. And no doubt uh, he, he was, she was beautiful to him. And she was desirous of him, to him. But the Bible says, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Oh, listen, he, he respected God's divine purpose for Mary's life and purpose in her life. And as a father, all the balancing that we have to do, it's important that we are also balancing not just the will of God for our lives, but the will of God for my wife's, our wife's life and our children's life. Amen. You know, I had mentioned to you in the Sunday school time that I was born and raised in the Dallas, Texas area. Grew up in a little town called Mesquite, Mesquite, Texas. If anybody knows anything about Mesquite, Texas, we're known for a professional rodeo grounds and we're known for good barbecue. Amen, Mesquite barbecue. Now, of course, I'm sure you folks here in Missouri know that just because you slather a little sweet baby raisin on a chicken leg and throw it on the grill, that's not barbecue. Amen. I don't have the time to go into the doctrine of barbecue this morning, but, uh, but I do will say it's biblical because when, Adam, when, when God was teaching uh, really uh, Moses how to perform the sacrifice to do the Passover, he said, sod not at all with water. Amen, and in the Hebrew that means sauce, so you don't throw sauce on the meat, all right? In the smoker, you just, all right, anyway, I can't go into that doctrine right now, but, but I've lost some of you on that one already, amen, I can tell. But that's where I was born and raised, and then my dad had always dreamed about having a place out in the country. So he saved up his money, and he bought a beautiful 10-acre hobby farm about 30 miles southeast of Dallas in a little town called Kaufman. It was a beautiful place for boys to grow up on. We had horses and cows and chickens and pigs. Had a big old giant one-acre garden that grew the biggest, fattest, sweetest, sweetest East Texas watermelons you ever sunk your teeth into. Big old giant cantaloupes, big old huge sweet onions, just a wonderful place. And uh, we lived out there. And my dad always said, we're going to have a place one day so big that you can kick a football and it won't go in the street or in somebody else's yard. When you're living in the suburbs, you, everything went in the street or in somebody else's yard. And he worked hard and he did it. Bought that beautiful farm. And then my sister became a teenager. And I was coming into my teenage years and that was in the mid-70s. Gas prices had gone up. And my sister wanted to be a part of the youth group. We found ourselves driving back and forth, back and forth, and I was coming into my teen years, and it was expensive to do that. So we lived there for a few years, and then my dad took, did something that was just unthinkable. The, 
I just appreciate it so much. The older I get, it's just it's so fascinating that he saw God's role and God's purpose in my life and our lives. But he said, my kids want to get in the youth group and they want to be faithful to church and we can't do it living this far away. And my dad stuck a for sale sign on his dream. He had always dreamed about having that. And he stuck a for sale sign on that dream for one reason, really. And that was to get us closer to the house of God. Now, I don't have any doubt in my mind, really, if there's any human involvement in my call to preach, it was related to that decision that my father made to sell his dream to get us to church and then I got my salvation nailed down, and then called, God called me to be a, a preacher, and then called me to be an evangelist, and I've had the privilege to preach the gospel all over the world. I'm a radio preacher. I've already preached about 10 times this morning all over the country. I have the privilege to operate two radio stations. Good Lord willing, September, we're opening up another station. And then maybe by the end of the year, another station. And then the good Lord willing, we'll expand even to some Midwestern states and even far Western states like Idaho using our signal, our stream as their, as their network. And I th take it all the way back to my dad understanding it's not just his role in life. It's not just about him, but it's about his wife. And it's about his children. And you see, Joseph, really, he, he loved Mary and he accepted the role to be the husband of Jesus' mother. Who would want to step into that incredible role? So much weight. So much responsibility. So heavy. Because Joseph, he respected God's divine purpose for Mary's life and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. The, mother of the marvel of fatherhood. The second thing I want you to see is simply this. Joseph accepted the role of being the Lord's supposed earthly legal father. As the Lord was growing, remember, he grew. He was an infant. He had to be fed. He had to be changed. God, the God-man, came as a little tiny baby. I have right now, my youngest daughter just gave birth to a little baby girl. She's a month old. I have forgotten how helpless infants are. They can't do anything for themselves. If they need anything, all they can do is cry. Amen. And boy, she's got a good set of lungs. She might be first woman preacher. Who knows? Amen. I mean, but just a helpless little tiny infant and God wrapped in human flesh became a baby. So Joseph accepted the role of being the Lord's earthly legal father. As the Lord was growing, Joseph gave Jesus his paternal care. Now we're not told dogmatically how much knowledge the Lord possessed in his growing years. We don't know, but the Bible says in Luke 2 and verse 52, it gives us an indication that Jesus grew into it. The Bible says, and Jesus increased 
in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with men. I remember my mentor, Dr. Boyd, as we were discussing this passage one day, he said to me, Brother Oliver, he said, I believe that at the, at the age of six, Jesus was perfect in size and mentality, perfect. That same way when he was nine. And the same way when he was 12, remember? When he was 12, he was astonishing the doctors and the lawyers, amen. But yet still, Joseph had some kind of part in his growth, amen. In his growth, in his upbringing, in his education, in his development, amen. Joseph had a part of it. He had a part in providing a good example. The Jews have an axiom, it goes like this, not he that begets, but he that brings up is the father. And, and really, that's just doing a wonderful thing of describing fatherhood. Amen. The Bible says, And Joseph marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Amen. Every mother needs a husband, and every child needs a father. And when the Lord Jesus came to this earth as a helpless little tiny infant, Joseph stepped into that position he was a just man. He stepped into that weighty position. He loved Mary. But he stepped into that role to be the husband of his mother and his earthly father. How amazing is that? And then I'd like to just thank the Lord, really, for Joseph because he does gives us such a good example. Thank the Lord for him and thank the Lord for fathers. I like also what uh, Paul Harvey said about fathers. He said a father is someone who, he says a father is a thing that growls when it feels good and laughs very loud when it's scared half to death. A father never feels entirely worthy of the worship in the child's eyes. Amen. But we're so truly thankful for Joseph because he gives us a wonderful example. Thank God for him. He gives us an example, an example of responsibility. Think about that word responsibility. It's the state or fact of being accountable, answerable for something within one's power or within one's control. It is a duty that we live up to. And Joseph is a wonderful example of responsibility. Jesus came into this earth as a tiny little baby. Now he's coming back again, and when he comes back, he's not a baby anymore, amen. He's a warrior king. But he gives us this wonderful example of responsibility. He gives us this wonderful example of taking on a role, taking on a role, a character assigned or taken on required parameters of a task, amen. He took on the role of being the father, the paternal the earthly father of the Lord Jesus, amen. A man can father a child, but a father is a man who willingly accepts his role of a husband to his children's mother and the father to his wife's children, amen. He, was a, he stepped into that role, beautiful example, responsibility, a role, and he built a relationship. He was a relationship builder. We're looking at Joseph as a prime example of father, the marvel, the marvel of fatherhood. Now I can look back and I was very, very blessed to have a wonderful father. And there's nothing been brought me more joy in my life to be a father 
Now believe me, I know really my failures. And I know, I know that. And I, I hope that my sons will learn from my mistakes, amen, because I made a lot of mistakes. Good night. You become a father. You don't have any experience. And then when you get experience, nobody wants to ask anything, amen, about the way it is. But uh, it's a wonderful thing. And you know, really, in America today and in the whole world, fatherhood, they're trying to destroy it. They don't want us to be fathers. They don't want us to take on responsibility and be role models. Oh, listen, but listen, if we're going to be a biblical father, we have to, amen. And we see these, uh, these things in our, in our lives. You know, I remember when my, and my dad passed away 11 years ago now, and he was a wonderful man, really. I worked with him on his bus route. He was a bus captain of bus number seven. And uh, just, uh, I mean, there, there for a while, my dad had bus kids. They, they would have laid down their lives for my dad, really. There were a few times that my dad preached funeral services of family members of his bus kids. He had that much impact. He used to work for him. I remember my dad had an idea one time about, about uh, he said, I want to have a promotion on my bus. And he said, uh, Oliver, I want to, mom's going to make a devil suit. And I want you to, she's going to wake, make a devil suit for you to, to put on. And we're going to visit my route. And as we're visiting the route, I want you to let the kids know like you're the devil and tell them, you know, don't ride Brother Oliver's bus. So my mama said I'd act the part real good, amen, as the devil. So that was back in the days when you could ride in the back of a pickup truck, amen. Anybody here ever rode in the back of a pickup truck going down the highway, amen? We did it. So I got that. My mother made me that suit, and I had a little sign that I made that said, don't ride Brother Oliver's bus. Just what kind of dad I had. And we'd go out and visit his route. He always carried double bubble bubble gum. He never compromised with anything else. No bazooka Joe, nothing like it. It was always double bubble bubble gum. Had his pockets full. And we'd visit the first house. And uh, my dad said, now when I'm talking to the kids, you just kind of peek out or put that sign up and uh, start taunting the kids. So I pulled up and I raised that sign up. And the kid said, Brother Oliver, there's something in the back of your truck. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. And I poked my head out, and they said, Brother Oliver, the devil's in your truck. And I said, kids, tomorrow Sunday, don't ride Brother Oliver's bus. And they said, we're going to ride his bus. I said, no, 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 don't ride his bus. Stay home. No, we're going to ride Brother Oliver's bus. We're not going to listen to you. So, boy, we, man, it was like working good. We went to the next house and the same thing. Now look, kids, the devil's going to try to tell you to not going to church tomorrow. Don't ride the bus. And then I'd stick my head up. Brother Oliver, the devil's in your truck. I said, you better not ride that bus. We're going to ride it. I said, well, don't bring your Bible. We're going to bring two Bibles. I mean, the next one I said, don't bring any visitors. We're going to bring two visitors. I mean, it was working good. Boy, I'd taunt them. You better not ride that bus. Watch cartoons. Play. No, we're not going to play. We're going to ride with Oliver. We're going to bring two Bibles. We're going to bring visitors. We're not going to listen to you, Mr. Devil. Boy, my dad said, son, this is working good. We're going to pack out this bus. Boy, I said, I'm going to really kick in gear next time, this next visit. So we pulled up, you know, my dad said, now look, kids, 
the devil's going to try to talk you out of not riding our bus. You better be ready. And I'd stick, Brother Oliver, the devil's in your truck. I said, you kid, you better not ride Brother Oliver's bus. Stay home, eat cereal or something. No, we're not going to eat. We're going to come to church. I said, don't come. We're going to come. I said, stay home and sleep. No, we're not going to. I said, don't bring your Bible. We're going to bring two Bibles. Well, don't bring any visitors. We're going to bring our friends too. And then about that time, I jumped out of that truck and I said, you better not come tomorrow. And those kids said, okay, we won't, we won't. Ah. My dad said, son, you're getting carried away. Get back in the truck and calm down. Now, in that wonderful story, really, Father, that's, a, that's just, a, that's the way it is. It's a wonderful thing. And if you have a father that loves the Lord, you love him. I promise you, there's a lot of weight. When we stand before Jesus as a father, there is a lot of responsibility on us. We have a lot. There's nobody else that's going to stand before God accountable as a father. God puts us in charge. Now, thank God we have examples to learn from, amen, and to talk to. And some of you young fathers, tap into the wisdom. Tap into the wisdom of these men. They will help you, amen. We've got to bridge that gap. You've got to find answers, amen. And listen, and don't ask your peers about it. It's just nothing but shared ignorance. They haven't crossed the waters yet. You've got to find somebody that has been through those waters, amen. But thank God we go and we see this wonderful example of Joseph, a precious, precious example of what a father's all about. Now you may be here today and you say, Brother Oliver, I didn't have a father like that. Well, if you're a Christian, you do now. Amen. In Sunday school, I read a verse that's called the Father of Mercies. Now that doesn't mean as much to us like it does to the Jewish mind because when a Jew hears those things, a father, a father begets. And it says God is the father of mercies. So really, he begets mercy. It, it comes out of him. It comes from him. He begets it. And as a sinner, we can come before the God, our heavenly father, and we can ask for forgiveness and salvation. Amen. We can be saved as sinners. We can know that we have a savior by putting faith and trust in him for forgiveness and salvation. Amen. What a blessing. Fathers, God bless you. I love you. And I appreciate you being taking on that role. Amen. And love your wife. And love your wife's children. And love your children's mother. Because really that's the example that we see of Joseph. You know, I remember I, for uh, eight years of my life, or my early stages of evangelism, I worked for Brother Randy Taylor. I was an associate evangelist. We did, I did children's services and youth meetings. And uh, back when, when, uh, when I ended that era of working for Brother Randy, we were averaging 47-day revival meetings a year. Can you imagine that? 
we were preaching 47-day revivals. We started on, on Monday night, and we go till Sunday night. 40 a year, seven-day revivals. We were averaging over 2,000 conversions a year during those times. And I did children's services while Brother Taylor was preaching the adult services. And I was preaching a meeting in uh, near Grass Lake, Michigan. And uh, man, I was, have, I was singing, uh, I may never march in the entry a hundred times. I knew, man, what in the world is making that, uh, that adult service last forever? Well, what it was, was God had got a hold of that invitation while Brother Randy Taylor was preaching. And there were some people that had got so burdened, something had happened in the home, and the dad just was out, was out of, out of fellowship. I don't even remember, I don't even think he was a, I don't know if he was a Christian or just a backslider. But they got so burdened in that, and here I was doing all, extending this junior church invitation, and while that invitation was going on, a family in that church left the service, went to their house, began to plead with their dad, please, dad, we want you in church with us. Please, dad, come back. Get right with God. Come back. And that man humbled himself. And they walked back in. They had left the service, went to the house, came back, and all oh, you talking about a reunion. Amen. If you got a dad like that, you love him. And you appreciate him. Amen. And mothers, if your husband is that kind of a father, you encourage him. Because nobody else is going to. Amen. Unless you have me coming in. Because I believe in biblical fatherhood. Praise God. Amen. Let me ask you some questions before we, while we're ending this message. How many of you could say, Brother Oliver... I don't have any doubt whatsoever. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm saved and I know I'm saved. I can go back to a time and place where I know I got born again. Would you hold your hand up as a testimony? Saved and you know it. Isn't it wonderful? If you're happy to be saved, how about a good hearty amen? Amen. amen. Now let's all stand together, shall we? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.